everybody, welcome back to another episode of KOLs in Asia. This is episode 005. Today, we're joined by Becca Yap, who is the founder of Liberty Active, to discuss on topics revolving around DTC brands executing influencer marketing better than household brands, how to run a successful affiliate marketing with influencers, and whether influencer marketing should command the biggest percentage in a brand's ad budget. Stay tuned. This is KOLs in Asia, the podcast by KOLs.Asia, a brand new podcast series where we talk about all things influencer marketing, featuring special guests from the industry. Hi, Becca. Hi. Hi. Hi, welcome. Hi, Becca. Thank you for joining us today. We Thank really you so much appreciate for you taking the time out. Yeah. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah. So, uh, for, for the people who are listening, um, we might be lagging a bit, but we're doing this um, online. So, bear with us a little bit. Uh, so, today we have uh, Becca, who's the founder of uh, Liberty Atif. Um, I think, I believe she's been running this brand for uh, four years now, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, is it 2017? Is that right? And, uh, sorry, 2019? 2017, that's correct. Right, 2017. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so, um, so today we're going to be talking about the topic of um, whether DTC brands are doing influencer marketing better than household brands. Uh, we're going to pick the brains of uh, Becca a little bit, uh, see how um, the successful Liberty Active brand has been doing with uh, influencer marketing um, and how influencer marketing has uh, uh, might have or have not contributed to its success. Uh, so um, I'm going to pass it over to Becca to do a quick intro of uh, who she is. Uh, maybe you can let us know a little bit about your brand, you know, how it all started. Sure. Hey everyone, and thanks Jason and Bwen for having me here today. Um, really, um, thank you guys for having me here. Um, so just a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm Becca, and I'm the co-founder of Liberty Active. We are a activewear label that was founded in 2017 by my co-founder and I. Um, we came together to have this idea because uh, back then, we were working together and then naturally we were also working out together, but we couldn't find, and being in the fashion industry and working in the fashion space, like we couldn't find many activewear pieces out there for us to uh, play around with or to even have like affordable like brands out there. Like there were all these pioneer brands, but, and because we were working out like maybe three, four times a week, it was hard to you know spend on these like active wear pieces because they're so expensive so what we wanted to do was create a affordable and accessible um, active wear line for the community and at the same time um, help them feel strong empowered and motivated in our pieces as well so you'll see that our pieces don't just follow they don't really strictly follow fashion trends but they're more likely to have a added value to it. For example, you can wear it for your travel, 
or or you can wear it for events as well. Yeah, so they're easily very matchable and they're very versatile in that sense. And they have very minimalistic designs, um, very much like Uniqlo, so that you can match them with like jeans or you can match them with like blazers and have them for your uh, and wear them for your events. So that's how we uh, that's how we started the brand. That's why we started the brand, and how we started it was we. Just looked around for manufacturers in Malaysia, um, and we managed to find some that was able to work with our order quantities. And we also did a lot of research on fabric, uh, sports fabric, because sports fabrics are very tricky. They have different stretchability, different wicking material uh, elements, and different features and things like that. So uh, we tested it out also with a group of different size women, because we always wanted to also cater to the plus size and petite size market. So our, from the very mm -hmm. beginning, our, our size ranged from uh, XS, size XS to, uh, and now size XXL, which fits up to size UK 14 and 16. And yeah, that's how we, uh, we, mm -hmm. we, we tested it with a uh, bunch of different group, different size, different diversity, um, because that's what we wanted to encap encapsulate our brand with, like inclusivity and also diversity. So we tested it out with them by having like events, uh, having them wear it for like fitness activities to see how they feel and how they uh, fit into it. Mm -hmm. And six months later, we managed to launch it. And it's been around ever since. Right. Yeah, I nice. see your bread everywhere okay. as and, well. And, you know, yeah, and, and you know, like oh, when sorry, you said like about, um, getting people to try to advance and things like that, yeah, it's, it's all right. Um, I, I think we just have to bear with it a little bit. Um, when you mentioned that, you know, when you got, them, when you got some people to try it out, um, where to advance and things like that, uh, was that how you started, like, you know, doing some, uh, influencer marketing per se using a brand? Yes, I would say in a way that was kind of like influencer marketing without really realizing it, but also by yeah. using like your own network and then them extending it to the other network. Mm -hmm. It's also using kind of like a word of mouth uh, method and it's yeah. more credible because these are these are your friends and then they also bring their friend, other friends on board. So. I would say it's a light to influencer marketing where the person is influencing someone else to, you know, mm. hear about your product or use your product, right? Yeah, actually, that's a that's a very good point because I think at the end of the day, that that is what influencer marketing is about, right? It's it's actually what about marketing done at scale, right? Using the power of social media technology um, as opposed to, you know, uh, traditionally where we get like celebs or whatnot to sort of endorse your brand and yeah. uh, people sort of see through it because yes, you know, they, they, they have that association, but ultimately it's an endorsement and that still comes across as an ad, right? As a sponsored thing, uh, as opposed to having genuine consumers uh, or, you know, genuine users who really like the brand and then, you know, they are happy to share about the brand to their um, to their followers, their peers, you know, recommending them to our friends. Um, so, 
uh, how, how did that start? You know, like, like, you know, what made you decide that, hey, you know, like we're launching this, um, here's what we're going to do first, you know, like we're going to go out, look for some of these, um, uh, you know, people who are really active in the scene and, uh, you know, get them to trial products and uh, get them to wear it to events. Like, like, like what's that thought process behind? Okay. Um, so I think maybe four years ago, influencer marketing was not as big as it is now like now they're like, mm-hmm. like hundreds of thousands of influencers out there and even and Correct. even now like um there are nano or micro influencers right they are also categorized as influencers now so yeah um at yeah. first we always thought that we had to reach those influencers with like big amount of followers mm-hmm. and so we mm-hmm. we reached out to them um but then we we also trialed with some of these like uh, influencers with a huge amount of following. Um, but then we this we discovered later on that um, they may not be bringing the quality of in, um, followers that you want, and they may not be your target audience. Because with some of these uh, big following influencers, which we came to find later on, like the demographics of their followers can be very different. For example, because we are a female male centric brand, um, they tend to have a little. They have to yeah. tend to have a majority of male followers, which might not even be relevant to us, right? So, um, yeah. that's that's how we started at first, like going for the big numbers, right? But uh, mm-hmm. very soon later on, because of because of our presence in, on social media, uh, we managed to we managed to capture a lot of fans first who then became in our influencers or ambassadors i would like to call it um so we had um i think these people didn't even realize that in their own way they were like influencers and ambassadors right they they started out as a customer of ours and eventually Mm -hmm. like because we saw them you can somehow like see that when they post something about you and tag some tag you, like suddenly you see influx of like following, or you suddenly see an influx of website visits, uh, or profile visits, and and then suddenly you have them asking you for a promo code to kind of promote your product because their followers are asking for a promo code from them to buy your product, mm. and these are like so. So what are you saying? Uh, Sorry to interrupt. So what are you saying is that you actually had consumers who reached out to you saying that, hey, you know, like I've got my followers who are asking me if I have a promo code and and then you guys work something out from there on out. Yes. So actually that's how like it kind wow. of started okay. out. We didn't, we didn't really plan for it. And somehow like because of all the like right. um, requests that we were getting, uh, we kind of started to build an affiliate mm-hmm. program for them. So these customers, they started out as a, and right. um, nice. uh, fans at first, and then we turn them into best ambassadors where we sponsor them um, pieces, but we also give them like a promo code to share with their followers. And with every purchase that is used with your promo code, like they get to earn, they get to earn like store credit to buy pieces from us, or also to get monetary um, monetary if they if they want to go that if they prefer cash at that point of time as well. So yeah, so instead of like searching out influencers, has has those conversions been okay? Yeah, so 
actually you'd be surprised like the ones with the smaller accounts like maybe two three thousand yeah. followers they they brought in like yeah. 40 conversions for us oh. wow nice very nice i think i think this is a very interesting point you know like um something that uh sometimes um where household brands um fail to realize is uh you do want like you know to do word of mouth marketing successfully you first have to have that brand credibility between the influencer's audience, right? Not not the influencer, right? But the influencer's audience with the brand, right? And that's, you know, that has to be established by the influencer first, um, acknowledging that, hey, this brand is something that I like, you know, something that I'm using. And then that trust level builds, right? And then, you know, when they, you know, put out some kind of uh, affiliate program, like what you said, um, there's a much better chance of converting as opposed to what a lot of retail brands are trying to do, you know, right from the get go, they're like, Hey, you know, let's engage a bunch of influencers and create an affiliate program. And they sort of ignore that, that, you know, you have to build that trust. It doesn't work like that. Right. Like in your case, it went the other way around, right? Like it was yeah. the audience and it was because the influencers themselves actually liked your product. Right. So I think the product is, you know, first and foremost, the product has to be good and it has to appeal to that segment of people and then they happily share that that their review and their thoughts and and then uh, I, I mean ultimately that that is how word of mouth marketing uh works right as opposed to uh so-called like um sponsored selling um uh we you wanted to say something just now oh no i just wanted to say i thought it was lagging i wanted to say that uh so instead of searching influencers like how other campaigns would normally do you guys leverage your own client base and you change your clients to influencers for your brand right that, yeah. that was the approach that you went yes uh, okay okay because searching for influencers can take up a lot of time and like yeah also gamble right you don't really know if these influencers will actually will actually have the same target audience as you do so yeah for us, right. like it kind of yeah. works in reverse in our favor, I would say. <laughs> mm. Right, very nice. Um, I, I think that's a very good point as well. You know, it's something that you, we as an agency is also um, always trying to. Um, I, I wouldn't say uh, teach, but trying to point our clients in the right way. Where you know you see influencers that claim to be a beauty influencer, or they or they are a beauty influence in the sense that they produce a lot of beauty content but it doesn't mean that their followers are necessarily um uh, majority of their followers would necessarily be interested in the beauty product like in yeah. your case right if majority of them are male followers um by by and large if you put out a beauty product um they you know try to promote a beauty product you're having majority of it being shown to consumers that are not your target audience, right? So uh, I think that's a, that's a very, very important point there. Yeah. Sorry again? Unless the male audience wants to buy it for their girlfriends, because we do have like yeah. um, male customers who buy things for their girlfriends and to surprise Correct. them sometimes. So yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a very good mm -hmm. point actually as well. But I think, you know, it, we first have to be equipped with that data right like if let's say we know hey this is a beauty influencer and majority of the followers are male um like what you said you know which is completely true we can still get her to promote a beauty product but then the creative has to change so that it's contextual to the audience 
right? Like she should put out a content where saying, hey, you know, like, um, uh, you know, for guys who are looking at uh, some gifts or to their girlfriends or whatnot, right? Here, here are some recommendations or stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so um, on, on that, actually, um, I, I like to zoom back like a, a little bit and, you know, go on a macro level, right? Like fast forward to now, uh, you've had obviously very successful influencer campaigns, right? Because having an affiliate program with influencers, I think it's the ultimate goal for all brands mm -hmm. trying to do influencer marketing. And I think uh, for retail brands, it's really hard because they really pump a lot of money um, and do, they do a lot of uh, brand awareness campaigns. Uh, but it's really hard for them to go down the route of um, actually achieving an affiliate program. Uh, we have had in the past like, a lot of clients um, asking us or attempting to do it, and it, it doesn't work out uh, for those reasons we mentioned earlier. So fast forward to today, you know, 2021, um, how do you see influencer marketing as part of your entire marketing mix? So I look at influencer marketing as another advertising channel, like, you know, in marketing, in digital marketing, you have like the advertising, digital advertising ch channels like Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And influencer marketing is just another avenue for that. And but influencer marketing has a more personified um, approach to it. Um, they're more like with influencers, they get to be the voice of your brand, and they get to mm -hmm. kind of voice out the values of your brand through through their postings or through their yeah. through their videos and content and things like that so i definitely would say it's still a very necessary um channel to focus on and especially with like direct consumer brands and fitness fashion brands where it's more visual and content is very very important to these kind of brands so these influencers they they have these you, they may you may not even know it but like they have like a more creative approach or a more genuine approach in creating content for your brand yeah. and that works as a marketing channel as well because mm -hmm. they are showing up they're showing people how how to style your style your product or how to wear or how to wear your product and what it looks like on a on a on a person right because with a fashion brand that's what's important yeah. like People want to see what it looks like on an actual person and especially if they look up to that person they're even going to be more like amazed and like wow like that person is wearing this and she looks good um and so that's how like we would see influencer marketing in our marketing mix that it is still an advertising channel for us and it's something that we want to grow yeah. and focus on and it's not just a transactional mm -hmm. relationship with the influencers you know like yes. we we don't just um include them. We don't just like push out a affiliate code for them to you know generate sales for us. We build a very uh long term relationship with them. So for example, we help them mm -hmm. take photos and we help them take content as well. We give them opportunities um to work with us in the sense that we hire them as talents to wear our products and help them shoot mm -hmm. the content for it. Um. If there are mm -hmm. other opportunities from other brands as well um, and that they're interested mm -hmm. in, we will always recommend them as well for it. So I see it as a 
uh, long-term relationship with them. And that's how you add value to both, to each other, right? You you help them out mm, in certain yeah. ways. They also help you out in certain ways by promoting your product in a very genuine and artistic approach. In, in any given moment, like for Liberty Active, um, how many influencers are you collaborating with? Um, I would say we have about 10 to 15 ones that we consistently work with. Yeah, and we always make right. sure that they're of different different um, diversities and different sizes as well because we want to portray the many sizes that we cater for. Mm, yeah. Right. Actually, I feel that okay. this approach that you're going for, but, instead of like a short-term partnership that you are doing more of a long-term collaboration is something that brands, more brands should do because yeah. you need to cultivate a relationship, a long-term relationship with your with your influencers and this also gives the audiences an impression that the that the collaboration and then the post is more authentic. Yeah. So so yeah, I definitely agree with this approach. Uh, back to you, Jason. Um, so I guess you know. Uh, so just keeping an eye on the time here, uh, we have a little bit of time left. Um, I, I I like to jump back into like the key topic for today, right? Like so, we've gotten. Um, some really interesting insights in how you and Liberty Active has been doing influencer marketing. Obviously, that has uh, been very beneficial to your brand. Yes. Um, what is your opinion on you know uh, influencer marketing um, when we're comparing it between how DTC brands do it and how you know household brands do it? Okay. Um, when you say household brands, what? Brands do they do they are, are you referring? To? Well, we're talking about like you know big brands that you would typically see in you know your supermarket or retail, you know like global brands, um, uh, you, you know like your uh, without naming names, right? Like you know your um, beverage drinks in your fridge or um, you know like uh, milk that you use or uh, you know stuff that you buy in the pharmacies, um, all that beauty products. Uh, that you yeah. buy in pharmacies or, maybe... or in like, retail stores, stuff like that. Okay. Um, so when it comes to household brands, they do naturally have a bigger budget, I would say. And I would think that they are trying to target like a mass, a more, a bigger market than direct-to-consumer brands because direct-to-consumer brands are t typically more niche. So they have target audience, different target audiences that they want to go for. So maybe the way that um, household brands are going is still the endorsement route, because because their their market is more, more it's much bigger, right? Like for example, they use celebrity, they still use celebrities and things like that because they do want to reach a bigger target audience for it. But for DTC brands, I guess they. They want to ha have it more personable. So when it comes to the influencers they choose, they may not be necessarily celebrities, but they will be like more niche influencers where they they know the specific target audience and they know the specific demographics that these influencers uh, represent. I, I think the other thing um, with DTC brands compared to like retail brands is also 
um, having that being able to react quickly, right? Having that nimbleness, um, I think inherently one of the bigger issues for uh, retail brands is that uh, because of the size um, and internally they have a lot of processes, um, and uh, you know, like this, this, the pace in social media is super fast, uh, and I think. Uh, for DTC brands, you are able to sort of just react to it like really quickly without needing to go through all that uh, administrative processes that, would, that retail brands may typically have, which may then hamper or come in the way of, you know, nurturing those relationships in the way that DTC brands can do it. Um, I, I think, and but I, I would, I would latch on a, a more important point that you mentioned just now. I think... Uh, my opinion is that DTC brands are probably more uh, consumer savvy uh, than uh, retail brands, uh, where you work from consumer and go upwards, where retail brands will go from the brand and work downwards. And I think that's that's where uh, inherently that distinctive um, <clears throat> difference is. Uh, in terms of the effectiveness, right? like what you you mentioned, because you were so in line with your consumers and your consumers were effectively your influencers, right? Um, you will be able, you are, you were able to kick off like affiliate marketing programs with them. Um, I, I really see that's a big challenge for retail brands um, to be able to react in that manner. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, Back to my earlier question, um, I'd like to find out, in your opinion, uh, and in today's environment, with you know, the effectiveness that you've gotten with influencer marketing, uh, do you think influencer marketing should play the biggest chunk in a brand's advertising budget? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think like I mentioned before, like influencer marketing is still kind of like uh, an avenue for advertising. So it right. really yep. does depend on your company's goals. And if you are a, and for example, if you're a DTC brand and you want to just gain, like at that point of time, you just want to gain awareness and gain reach on social media, I would say influencer marketing has to play a big role in your marketing budget. Like, it probably has to take up like 50 to 60% of your budget just to uh, dedicate to influencer marketing. And from that, you kind of build out a plan on how after you want to build awareness, like what happens next, right? You want people to do real life reviews of your product. Um, what do you want? What is your next step on that? You want people to visit your website by using these uh, influencers. So if they have like the swipe up link, you can help. You can ask them to get uh, put that swipe up link in your uh, in their profiles. Or for example, you can give them that uh, promo code. Or it's just a campaign that you want to build would take into effect on how you want to cater your and tailor your goal towards the influencer marketing. But yeah, I would say it really depends on what your goal is and whether your mm -hmm. your brand can use influencer marketing uh, in a very effective way. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, just, just for the record, um, 
it's it's my genuine opinion that I think all brands should be the majority of the budget, marketing budget, and influencer marketing because uh, uh, there are a lot of brands putting marketing or ad budget in a lot of inefficient places. You know, like you know, programmatic ads yeah. and so on, where you know you don't you don't have um, you know like there are a lot of tracking on all these uh, digital ad buy where yeah. um, the the quantitative metric. Um, doesn't take into consideration the qualitative metric, right? You can have like X amount of eyeballs and, uh, you know, Y amount of people that's been reached, but, you know, maybe the bulk of these people just don't care about your brand or they actually don't want to see the brand, right? But, you know, yeah. it keeps popping up in front of them. And, you know, mm -hmm. it may even get to a point where, you know, it backfires and they get annoyed by the brand. And when they see the brand, they just don't want to get the brand anymore. Uh, so I think that's that's a, a, a bit of a missing link here. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, how, like you've you've been doing influencer marketing, affiliate marketing. Like, what what is your distribution? Like, what is your sales distribution channel like right now? Like, fully e-commerce. Um. So it's yes, it's mainly just e-commerce. Um, right. We used to, well, back when gyms are open, uh, we have mm -hmm. consignment in fly project gyms as well just to get right. customers to try on before purchasing i mean they can purchase in the store as well but it's just a very small collection for them to try on or if so happens they forget their workout wear before going for a workout class and we also had it at mm -hmm. equatorial hotel but ever since we started the right. consignment which they haven't been their doors haven't been open for for a long time so yeah i would say we are mainly and primarily online. So um, in, in that sense, influencer marketing does play a big role because um, you, people aren't able to try out the pieces, right? So they depend on yeah. ambassadors mm -hmm. and influencers to tell them how it feels, how, how, um, how it fits them and the quality, whether it runs yeah. uh, well over time and the stretch of, and the different functionalities of like activewear pieces. Right, got it. Okay, um, so we're uh, a little short of time. I think um, before we end the session, I just like to uh, give you know you and your brand the opportunity to share a little bit more. Um, you know what what's next for Libdecade? So you know you you guys have grown quite a bit um, in the last few years. Uh, you've had successful campaigns. Um, what are you know the future plans for Liberty Active? Um, I guess when it comes to market expansion um the number one like marketing avenue that we think would be the most effective is actually um influencer marketing because like you said when you just show an ad to especially a market that has not heard of you before it's not going to do you mm -hmm. any good and that's why we um when it comes to market expansion we have been slowly like slowly researching on influencers and ambassadors that mm -hmm. could be potentially our spokespeople. Like, uh, right. and you're you're saying like you know, in other regions, that's what you're saying, yeah, right? Other, yeah, in other right. regions uh, across Southeast Asia or even outside of Southeast Asia for for that, for that matter. Like, um, for example, like recently we engaged with an American influencer um, just to okay. just kind of like take the market there and to see how see how the reaction would be um, from mm -hmm. her posting. So yeah, um, that's like kind of like our next step, like 
looking into other regions to expand to. Mm. Right, and and with that with that uh, you know uh, American uh, KOL was that something that was planned that you know uh, a step towards potentially uh, opening up to the U.S. Uh, consumer segment, or, or are you guys already selling to customers in U.S.? So we do ship worldwide, but um, obviously in the U.S., like it's right. very competitive because there are so many other fitness fashion brands out there. Yeah. But um, what I always find an opportunity mm -hmm. with in the U.S., like because there are also a lot of Asian Americans and maybe like uh, American mm -hmm. American uh, active wear, it's not really catered to their sizing and their fit. So we we try to like uh, look right. for American. Yeah. Asian-American influencers to show that, hey, we have this activewear made in Malaysia and it's not as mm -hmm. expensive as, you know, the other brands that you see in the U.S. Like, and it is catered to Asian fit and Asian sizing. So that's why we decided to test that out. Right. Okay. Okay. Sounds, sounds, um, sounds like a really good way to uh, um, put your brand out and about. I think that's that's also a very interesting point, which sometimes uh, uh, retail brands uh, may, may face a little bit more of a challenge on, you know, like what you mentioned, testing out uh, different markets, um, say using influencer marketing to test things out. I, I know like for a fact, um, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Wellington, they did a superb job when they were launching, like prior to launching here, right? They used influencer marketing and then literally they see that like almost every influencer that you can think of without having a yeah, retail yeah. store here, right? And yeah. it was so successful that, you know, everybody knew about the brand and didn't even have a retail presence. Um, so uh, I, I think that's definitely one of the key advantages for DTC brands um, in executing this. Uh, okay, so I think that really brings us to the end of our session. I mean, uh, we unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time, but I think there's a lot more that we can cover. Um, we would love to definitely invite you back again uh, to discuss on other topics. Uh, I think there's a lot more that we can pick your brains on. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, thank you so much for joining us today, Becca. Um, for people who have not heard or are not following Liberty Active yet, please do so. Um, the link is in our, uh, you know, it's in our cafeteria and, in, you know, you will find it. Right? Uh, so once again, thank you so much for joining us today, Becca. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Hope you guys learned something uh, from my little sharing session. <laughs> yes, it was yeah, definitely it was, it really was definitely insightful. Very insightful. Thank you so much. Yes.